Welcome to America's Top Rabbitsons. May this class be for Rafu Shalema, for Amuna Bracha Bat Rachel, Ahuvia Oshri Itia Bat Sarah, Bina Eti Bat Sasha Elka, and Haya Esther Bat Barbara. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rabbitsons YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you're the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I'm really excited to have on today's show, Rebitson Gila Ross. Rebitson Gila is a certified parent educator who blends the latest research together with Jewish wisdom to help parents develop strong relationships and bring out the best in their kids. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real treat to be on here. So um, a little bit more about me. I'm I'm a mom of eight kids. Um, I always feel like that's, you know, of all the things, thank God, that I've done in my life, um, that's my, the thing that I'm most proud of. And I think the biggest impact really that we have on the world is, is how we educate the next generation. So, so that's first and foremost. Um, I've been at Robertson now for close to close to 17 years or something like that. I've lived in Germany and in Calgary and in Vancouver, both in Western Canada. Now I'm in Manchester, United Kingdom. And I I host a, a podcast as well, um, which is called the Power Up Podcast. And the idea really is to give like short bites, um, 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 snappy pieces of inspiration that people can relate to and impact their life. Because and I know a lot of people are busy, right? Um, and have, so so that's that's the um, idea behind it. And I'm also really, really passionate about helping parents have a really good relationship with their kids so that they can they can help the kids navigate life and they can enjoy parenting again. I love that. That is so beautiful. And we have some really great questions that will hopefully do exactly what you said to help um, parents build relationships with their kids and, uh, and navigate life and through the, through these tough challenges because the teen years, we're going to be talking today about the teen years. The teen years are not easy. So, uh, so let's dig right in. <laughs> so <laughs> today we're going to be talking about a topic, as I said, that many moms struggle with parenting teenagers. And this is understandably challenging because teenagers are not little kids anymore, but they're also not adults and they don't have the life experience necessary to always make the best decisions. So it's funny because even with this lack of experience, many teens will still think and say that they know everything. It's so interesting. And a few weeks ago, I posted on Facebook to see if anybody had any specific questions that they would ask a parenting expert. And many, many women responded with excellent questions that I would love to talk to you about today. So let's start with the first one. How can we help our, yes, this is exciting. <laughs> How can we help our teenagers effectively deal with their emotional outbursts and chaotic inner turmoil without ourselves getting emotionally frazzled? Okay, so firstly, I have to say that I love, love, love that question. Um, I've got a little confession to make, and that is that um, um, I, I personally, I have, um, I have my oldest is eighteen, my youngest is two, so I have a few, quite a few teenagers. I've also spent um, over ten years of my life working with teenagers in NCSY, and I happen to my favorite. Um, stage of parenting actually happens to be the teenage years wow um, <laughs> and, and 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 I'll tell you why and, and the reason why I, I recognize why I love this question is because whoever asked the question is recognizing what the difficulty is right the teenagers have big emotions right and some um, and usually what trips us up is when we get emotionally involved with it right and exactly and Yes. The question that the parent, the person who's asking the question is recognizing that the challenge isn't necessarily um, um, the, the teenager's emotions. The challenge more often is my emotional reaction to it. 
So in, in terms of answering the question, I would say that I believe the questioner asked, how can you help them navigate? Or, or, do, you want, do you mind to just read that last sentence again? Because I think there was a part of it that um, how can we help? Sure, our... yes. How can we help our teenagers effectively deal with their emotional outbursts and chaotic terminal, turmoil without getting emotionally frazzled ourselves? Right. So I, I think the answer to that is um, I don't think it's possible to not get emotionally frazzled ourselves, but I think it's really important to recognize that we our emotional reaction to the to the things. Right. Because I look, I, the, the reality is that when you're talking about parenting, we're not talking about a computer program. We're not talking about a robot. We're talking about a human being. Right. And as humans, we're all messy. We all have our past things. We all have our triggers. We all have our emotional reactions, right? And the fact that we are going to have an emotional reaction to what our teenager is going through is not necessarily the problem, right? Especially if we use that as an opportunity to to teach our children how to deal with emotions, right? Because what we're trying really to do here is what this parent is recognizing is that part of parenting, a huge part of parenting is becoming our children's emotional coach, right? Yes. Teaching them how to deal with emotions, right? And the best way to do it, the way kids learn best is how we deal with our emotions, right? So you can't take your emotional reaction from, uh, away from it. That, that's not possible because you're human. But what you can do is become aware of your emotional reaction. And I think that's step number one is number one is to recognize I, I'm having an emotional reaction to what, this, what my child is saying right now, right? This is a big topic. And it's what what is what are the emotions are and sometimes you know we can say that to our children right and, that, and that's I think why why I like parenting teens so much is because we can have that authentic relationship with them where we can say you know what this question that you're asking me right now is stressing me out or you know the fact that you're having this big emotional reaction to something like that is making me feel very emotional I need some time out to 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 figure out where I stand let's come back to it and and then you have to follow up with it by doing that work and and trying to figure out what what's triggering you what's your emotional reaction what are you really afraid of you know or what are you really like what's what is it is it rational is it not rational how to deal with it and it's really important that we go back to our teen and and, and, and follow up on that conversation, right? So if, if you know, if you're, if you're, um, um, I'll give you, I'll give you, let's say a, a practical example, right? Let's say you're, you're, you're having a conversation with your teen about which seminary or yeshiva to go to, and your teen comes up with like some outlandish statements, which, which, you know, teenagers often do, they, 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 you know, they talk big and dramatic, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like that, that, what, that, that's like, let's say your teen, teenager turns around to you and says, you know what, I'll go there, but I'll waste the next two years. Right. And, and then you, you have to dissect it. Right. And, and let's say that's like, oh my gosh, like, no, I'm not paying you for you. Right. I think your emotional, your initial emotional reaction is like, I don't want my kids to waste the next two years. Right. So for, step number one is recognize I'm having an emotional reaction here. Right. And when I'm in that emotionally charged place, I'm not in the best place to to coach my child and it's not an emergency right yes we can put it on hold until I'm in a better place maybe until my child is in a calmer place right and then go back and discuss it with them right so once you recognize what your emotional reaction is then you can sort of say okay what's going on and is you know is the, the fear that I have that 
rational if it is let's deal with it in a rational way if it's not rational then then let's you know sometimes we just have to let things pass but recognize what your emotional reaction is take the time to 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 get to know what your emotions are trying to tell you and come back and discuss it when you're both in a calmer place i really like that i think that you made a really great point that's not an emergency most things are not emergencies. Listen, sometimes there is an emergency that comes up, so I want to acknowledge that. But most things are not an emergency and they don't need to be solved this very second. So I like it, you know, when you say, first of all, be aware of your own emotion because we model emotional behavior to our children. So if we can be aware of our emotional reactions and realize sometimes our emotional reactions can be totally out of proportion to what the situation actually is. And if we can take a step back and kind of, you know, take a step back for ourselves, take a deep breath, take some time out and just calm ourselves down and also make sure that our kid is calm because if our kid is having a temper tantrum and even a teenager can have a temper tantrum, you know, that, you know, when they're calm, when we're calm and we can come back and approach it with a fresh head, maybe we'll come up with a situation that we, you know, a solution that we may not have figured out when we were both in a heated state, you know, this way we're both calm. We come back, we figure out what to do and, and I think I think it's amazing because we're modeling proper behavior, proper emotional behavior for our kids. And also we're not making the problem worse when we're yeah. at a heightened emotional state, which can also yeah. happen too. So Yeah. And and it's interesting. I once had a situation with one of my kids where um they said something and I got emotionally re- I react I emotionally reacted when I shouldn't have. And I went back to them after I'd cut like I walked away from the situation, I calmed down and I was like, look, I'm sorry, I apologize for what I did. And I said to I said to my child, I was like, what do you want me to do when you say XYZ? And wow. she told me. He told me, I just want you to listen to me. I don't want you to rush right. Like a lot of times when our kids are having, and this is teens and kids, our kids are having those big emotions. Like we rush in to try and fix it and whatever. All they need is for us to be with them. And, and the important thing for us to realize and for us to teach our children is that emotions have a shelf life, right? Like if you think about any emotion, you know, we, we get like emotionally charged, but then even if we do nothing, it passes, right? Yes. So just, if you can be with them in the moment, if you can't because it's you're not in the emotional place, and then then communicate with that with them and come back and, and talk about it afterwards. Beautiful. I love that. I love that advice. Thank you so much. Um so okay, so we have another very interesting question here. <laughs> uh, many, many teenagers have chutzpah. They roll their eyes or they answer back rudely when you talk tell them something. Other teens are non-compliant and refuse to do what you ask of them, even if it's a simple task. So this can be very, very frustrating. And somebody really asked actually asked this question on Facebook. And I think it's a very, very important one. So can you please give us some strategies for interacting with our teens when they show chutzpah or are non-compliant? Okay, so if you if you don't mind, I'm going to actually split those questions up into two different questions because I do think that they're 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 slightly different, right? There's the question number one is what do we do when our kids are chutzpahdik, right? Our teens are chutzpahdik, and question number two is what do we do when our kid is not compliant? So let's deal with the first question first. What do we do when our kid is chutzpahdik? And and I, I would the first thing I would say is what is chutzpah, right? For everyone, every family has a different definition. Parents have a different definition of chutzpah and different parents sometimes have a different definition of chutzpah, right? For some parents, for example, you the rolling your eyes, a teenage rolling, teenager rolling their eyes at a parent is, is considered chutzpah. For others, they're like, like rolling eyes, like whatever. That's what teenagers do. That's not, they, they don't consider it chutzpah, which, 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 what, 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 what is that a bad thing? No, everyone has a different definition of what chutzpah is. So I think that there's a couple of things to bear in mind. Number one is chutzpah also often is in the eye of 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 
the one like is the chutzpah is the child trying to be chutzpahdig or not right because a lot of times what we perceive as chutzpah is is impulsive behavior right a kid is reacting right and and then they're just not thinking things through so that number one is 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 sort of to take the emotional um, um, um reaction out of it and to recognize that like this is not my child being terrible this is this is this behavior what they're doing really age appropriate the second thing is it's absolutely fine for you to have your standards right, right. so if you don't want your child to ro roll your eyes at you then then that's fine you can just say in a very non-emotional very clear communicative way that i don't like when you do that please don't do that to me or if you don't if you if you if you don't like the tone of voice or the words that your child is saying to you 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 have your standards and 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 and, and you communicate them with them and you it's 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 your boundary that you kind of put up right like with with teenagers a lot of a lot of what we're doing when we're parenting them is is we're putting the boundary in place and and it's my job to protect my boundary right so if 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 let's say i've gone through the first step and sort of said you know what what am i what am i what am i going to define as what's Book, right so so I'll, I'll use an extreme example I'll, I'll use I'll use a, a, an example right let's say you've decided I don't um, um my my standard of chutzpah is I don't let my child um call me names right stupid idiot whatever I don't let them call call me names so that's your standards you communicate it with them and if your child says to you oh you're so stupid or whatever you can just clearly communicate to them and say I don't like it when you say that to me please don't call that use that word to me or I'm not going to engage with you until you can mm -hmm. say that more respect to me or whatever but again it, it's it's not you're not you're you're not you know your job is to kind of say like this is my boundary right this is what I decide um, um, decide as re as respectful behavior and this is what I'm going to do to uphold that right so my standard is that I uh, I expect to be spoken to respectfully and if you speak to me disrespectfully I'm going to you know I'm not going to engage in that conversation until you start speaking to me respectfully and what we're doing there also is 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 modeling for our children the skill of you know in life you're going to meet all different types of people right sure. and you have to know what your boundaries what your standards are and your job is to put the boundaries in place to so that so that other people don't cross those boundaries right instead of going on to think like how could you be so disrespectful or whatever I don't like this this is this is not okay for me and if you want to have this conversation then this is my boundary there's got to be respect in place Beautiful. I love it. And I love the concept of boundaries because you're really, you're really, again, modeling for your child. This is a boundary. This is how I want to be treated. This is my standard. You're verbalizing it. You're articulating it. You're saying it, like you said, in a non-emotional way. And if the child is having difficulty maintaining that boundary, you're not engaging with them and you're letting them know I'm not engaging with you until you're ready to be respectful or however, however you want to word it without getting right. emotional about it. Just kind of, this is my boundary. Stop. That's it. Yeah, and, and my job is 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 to protect that boundary, right? right. And in terms of the second question, so it's a, it's a very interesting question because it, it can kind of get blurred, but I, I, it's interesting because I find with teenagers, like it's not so much about compliance, right? Because teenagers are, are are at that point already where, and and again, it depends how old your teenager is, but they're getting closer to the point where they are going to be making their own decisions. Yes. So I I, I personally I could be wrong about this but I feel like as parents of teenagers we have to shift be between that thing of I need to get my child to listen to me is I need to teach my child values the values that are important to me so if your child is not complying to you with you the question I would ask is why 
right? Now, a question that comes up often, often with, with, with things, and it's, it's actually something that I'm really, really passionate about at the moment, is technology, right? And if your child is, is you know, you have a difference of opinion about how much screen time they, sh they, sh they should have, or about whether they should have their own device, or whether they should be on social media, and it depending, you know, depending on, on what your family's values are, everyone has a, a different question that they grapple with, but I think it's fair to say that almost every family has the question of, of, of you know, that there's a disagreement between parent and child about about technology, right? So the question is, you know, yeah, when your kid is four or five, you're, you're talking about like, how do I get my child to, to listen to what I say, right? Because they don't have the emotional maturity for, to sit down and say, you know what, like if you spend too much time on, on watching, you're not gonna get your homework done. Maybe that they'll understand, but it, you know, it, it, it affects your, 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 your uh, attention span, et cetera, et cetera. But when our kids are teenagers, right? They're, 13, 14, 15, that's the time where we need to start engaging them in conversation. We need to start explaining to them, this is why I believe what I believe, right? And even though you may not understand it, right? Like, but but you, we need to have that. Yes, obviously, we we need to, we're the, we're still the parents, right? We still need to put boundaries in place, etc. But we have to shift much more into that mindset of: Am I teaching my child why this is important? Am I teaching my child the the information, the values that they need to know, so that when they're eighteen or whatever age it is, they will make healthy decisions right will they know when they are 18 why what the pros and the cons of technology are how what questions to ask about it so so i i think to, to go back to that question right so i use an example but to go back to the question is if your child is not complying i would try and figure out why is my child not complying is it because they're going through an emotional difficult time and that's their way of communicating to me that something's wrong is it because they just don't understand why this is important right is it because they're upset with a system and they're communicating it like or is it just hard for them right you know I, I do think it's important to engage in that and that kind of 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 conversation firstly with ourselves and also with with our child that conversation of, of why what's going on here that that, that 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 this is a point of disagreement between us and sometimes you know we do have to to kind of say you know what I'm still the parent and like whatever you know, like a kid says I hate going to school on time and you kind of say well you know what I get it and I get why you don't see and I get why this and I get and that the other but like as a parent I still understand that the habits that you build up in these years are very very important and therefore I'm going to still say that it's really important for you to do it but there's got to be that conversation those those conversations about what's going on why you know why why it's what why are they doing what they're doing right what is their behavior communicating to us and what are the values that I'm trying to communicate to my child through this um um and then hopefully you can come to to some sort of of understanding of each other and and work together to 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 work it out. I love that, and I love that you 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 know your teen is old enough that you can engage them in conversation. You know they're not like a little kid that that's you know illogical and irrational. Teens are at that point where they're again they're not kids, but they're, and they're not adults either, but they are rational to a certain point. I know some teens are more rational than others, but you know, you can have, they are at the point in their lives where you can have a conversation with them and you can really talk to them and try to figure out why they're having trouble complying. And I love 
I love that you gave like different reasons why a teen might have trouble complying. And it's not just, oh, they're being a bad kid or they're being rude. There's a deeper reason why. And it's up to us as parents to engage them and try to figure out why, you know, why, why something is bothering them. So that's, and then, and then help them, help them, them through, work through that. Exactly. Is that, that the, the piece of that they're missing. And, and I would, I would say you're hundred percent right that our kids are old enough. And, and it's also, it must, right? Like the, the teens that, that they are today are they're smart they're intelligent yes. they they they're they're authentic they they see right they they know right any any yes. sort of things that we haven't yet worked on ourselves they'll, they'll notice they'll, they'll they'll see it and we we that's why like it doesn't work to hide it it's, it's and, and, and it's important also for them to see that we ourselves are working on becoming more compliant we ourselves are working on 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 our relationship with our shame our relationship with others like all these our boundaries all these things that that because we're not finished products and they know that we're not finished products so there's no point in pretending that we are but it's very important that we can obviously within reason and they still have to respect us right they want to respect us yes our kids really do want to respect us so we have to choose what that we're sharing in a way that that is helpful right and 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 not in a not too much but um um you know they, they learn from who we are right if we're the type of person when we're struggling with something because i think if you if you go back to us we all struggle with complying with what god wants from us at some True. point right yeah and you know we have to work through that and we have to show you know when they see that we're working through what we're struggling with then we can ex- we can we, we can engage them in that same sort of process as well for sure. For sure. Definitely. Thank you. That was actually a really, really good answer. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> here's an interesting question. Um, it's a mm-hmm. many teens tend to engage in risky behavior, like staying out late or experimenting with drugs and alcohol or going to places that they aren't supposed to be and generally doing things that can possibly be harmful to them physically, emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually. So my question is, how can we prevent or discourage our teens from engaging in risky behavior? Right. So, again, another really, really, really good um, 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 question. And it's important for us as parents to know that um, the prefrontal cortex, which is um, in charge of, of the part of the brain that, that sort of helps decision making process is not fully developed. I don't think it's um, um, when, when, when a child is a teenager and therefore, yes, they are more risk. They are they are more likely to do impulsive behavior and they are more um, um, likely to do things that put them at risk. And I think I think. The, the two kind of things that we have to put in place to help safeguard our kids, right, is number one, we have to have a a, um, a really strong relationship with our kids, right? We have to have a relationship where we are comfortable. I think Rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz put this in, in, and it's so beautiful. He says that he's got He's got a, a an agreement that he, he puts in with put in with his kids that there's there's a, a no questions asked right that if if one of his, their kids ever find themselves in a situation where they need help you know they can call him and they can pull out this like no questions asked and and the parent will be there and 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 help them out so if God forbid you know your child finds themselves in a situation where you know a friend is wants to drive and they're under the influence of alcohol and you know if and and if they have that strong relationship with you and they know that you can call them up and you'll say and they'll say look I don't want to talk about it and you'll just say I'll come pick you up and, and bring you home then they're going to be safe right whereas if they're if if they are, are, are worried that I'm going to call you up and you're going to ask me who is driving um who is who provides the alcohol how much alcohol did you have like all these hundreds of questions then they're they're not going to be able to withstand that peer pressure so we have to really be 
that safety net for our kids. And how we build up that safety net is by having that strong relationship with our kids, by also normalizing that kids, that teens do, do, you know, risky things, right? That is part of it. And um, it's, there's, there's pros to that in that as a teenager is, that is the stage of life really for exploring and experimenting. Our job as parents is to make sure that they explore and they experiment in a safe way, right? Because it's about finding out who they are, finding out their boundaries, finding out, you know, how they can, their, their values, etc. But our job as parents is to make sure that they, they do that in, 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 um, in, in, a, um, in, in a, in a safe way. And, and 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 so so that that's number one is is the relationship and number two the, the second piece of this is is the conversations right the ongoing conversations right if alcohol is risky it's not enough just to tell your child don't drink share with them again obviously in a safe way like what happens when someone drinks right how that impacts their ability to make safe decisions how that impacts you know their ability to drive safely right all, all these sort of things that the more in conversations we have with our children so that they understand that it's not just oh, another adult putting another rule down but actually there is there is there is the sense behind it right then 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 hopefully they'll understand but also once they once they trust that the reasons that we're giving them not to do things not just because we don't want them to have fun and good time but because actually we care about them we love them protect them then even those things that they don't hopefully buy into then they'll, they'll trust that we have their best interest in, into heart we're not just putting rules into place but actually there's 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 we're doing it for, for their protection and I think the best way to do that is really number one is again that strong relationship mm -hmm. to with their safety net and number two is to have those conversations so that a, a child can feel safe to actually come and say to you you know what is wrong with being on tiktok or what is wrong with with you know partying or what is wrong with with taking drugs just once i'm not going to be a you know i'm not going to be a drug addict etc and then we can have those conversations with it and and again i think that also goes back to our first um um question about our emotional reaction right when yes. we're aware of our emotional reaction we can say you know what maybe i need a few minutes let, let, let's talk about it at seven o'clock tonight or let's whatever right so so Hopefully those two things can do it. But it's, it's again, another really good question. Yes. And yes, and you know what stuck out for me from what you said was that this, these teenage years are really the time where kids explore and they experiment and they engage in risky behaviors. And our job as a parent is to make sure when they're exploring and engaging that they do it in a safe way. And it's very interesting because it reminded me almost like when they were little kids and on the playground, you know, little kids, they, they just go, they don't know. They don't look, is the car coming? Is another kid coming? They just go. And it's our job as parents to protect them, whether it's the playground or, you know, in the supermarket or when we're walking down the street, our job is to protect them in that, in that particular phase of life. So in the teen phase of life, it's the experimentation, the exploration, the discovering of who I am type of phase in life. And it's also, you know, yes, it's a different phase, but we have to explore them in in now this teenage phase of life. It's a it's a very interesting point that you made. Yeah, and I and I would also add um um, um a vital, vital element of this is 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 prayer, right? We have to yes. govern to, to you know um, um the, the, there are so many things that are not in control, right? The teachers they have, the friends they have, um, you know the situations they find themselves in like we need to pray and pray and then pray some more that that you know they're protected yes. yeah yes amen yes for sure
Um, so this this next question, it's kind of alludes to what we were talking about before, but it's even it's even deeper because communications with teens is interesting. You know, when they were little, they used to come home from school and you would hear every little detail about what went on during the day, including what their best friend had for lunch, what color paint they use in art class, like everything. But once they become teenagers, it's like talking to the FBI. They can't tell you anything because it's private information. Top secret. Teenagers reveal nothing. And this can be especially concerning when you sense that there's something wrong whether it's with school or with friends or anything else and you ask them about it and say okay I'm okay I'm fine you know there's nothing to talk about and you know they're really not okay you know that they're not fine you know that there is something there but no matter how many times you ask them no matter how nicely you word your questions no matter how you approach it they just won't talk and this can be very very frustrating to a parent so can you please tell us what is the best way to handle this type of situation where your kid you know something is wrong but your kid just will not talk about it all right. So, so again, that is a really, really good question, and I'm also I'm gonna I'm gonna divide it up into two questions because there's a, the question number one I heard is 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 just the general question of in terms of communication with with your with your children, and the second question is what do you do when 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 you know something's up but they're not they're not opening up with you. Yeah. So the question number one in in terms of, the question is a hundred percent right. Right when your kids are, are young, it's 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 in a, in a way it's much easier right because they come home from school you're there they talk to you right you want to spend time with them usually that that's fine when our kids get older it's not about us fitting it's not about them fitting into our schedule anymore it's about us fitting into their schedule right so when they come home from school and we're available it doesn't mean they're going to be in the mood of talking right but it could be if they ask you for a lift to take um, um to take them to start, I don't know, shopping, you know, three hours later and you say yes, then they'll be open to talking and they might chat your ear off and chat, 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 chat in the car for a half an hour while you're driving them. So I think when, as a parent of a teenager, we have to be very conscious of the fact that we need to find the openings when they're ready to talk to us, when they're ready to spend time with us. It's not so much about saying, you know what, looking at my week, this is my week on Wednesday from eight to nine, I'm, I'm going to spend time with my, 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 my teenager. Like it might work. But more often than not, what's going to happen is you're going to be around and then all of a sudden on Thursday, you know, like at 930, your kid's just going to suddenly come into the kitchen and start talking. All right. So we have to be open and available and, and sort of grab those opportunities when they're available and ready to talk and, and give them time and, 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 and attention to, to that. So that's just more general in, in terms of how it changes from when our kids are little to when our kids are older. In terms of the second question, I think it's such, again, it's such a good, good question that a lot of times we have, we have a situation where we know something's up with our kids, right? We know those things and they're like, it's fine. Or they just don't want to talk to us or, or, or and you know, so much can be going on here, right? Sometimes the teen themselves is not fully aware of what's going on. Sometimes they're worried that if they if they tell us we're going to go and speak to the school, we're going to speak to someone else, and they, and they just don't want their thing. Sometimes they, they want to protect the privacy of of, of of their friends. Like there's so much that's going on. So I would say there's a few things. Number one is respect their privacy, right? Unless you think there is harm, right? There's danger of harm, right? And even if there is danger of harm, I would say you know if you're if you're if your child's comes and mentions to you that they have a friend that is god forbid suicidal or something like that then and they won't tell you who then i would have a conversation with that child and say look this is a conversation where 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 someone's at at risk right so either you have to go and tell and, and report it to someone else or, or or give me that information i'll do it right but like i'm not gonna um right so, but unless a lot most of the situations are not really right like if it's not 
in fact let's not go into which are or which aren't but if it's not a situation where someone is at risk right is, is really at risk and they don't want to tell you so don't so you know what i respect you you're right not to tell me who who, who it is right again it's, it's, it's about making it as safe and easy for, for our children to open up to, to us and and to and to and to to tell us as much as as they can tell us so that we can help them i think we always have to bear in mind that the the our goal in this is not getting my child to talk to me but is getting my child the help that they need right now if this is a situation where your child doesn't want to talk to you will they talk to someone else right will they perhaps see a therapist will they will they perhaps see someone else who's doing it because again it's not sometimes it's not easy to talk to 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 a parent right we, the, our kids want us to see them a certain way and and it might not be easy and and as parents we have to put aside our personal feelings there and say my job is to get my child the help they need and if that's going to be through them talking to someone else I have to put my ego aside and say to my child would you want to see someone would you want to is there a teacher in school that you trust is there a a a you know a representative mentor in the community that you think is there a fit would you would you see a therapist if there's a, a resource in your in your community that helps teenagers by setting them up with mentors use it right again it's, it's about getting them the help they need even at the cost of of me of me stepping out and I want to tell you something when if, if a parent is able to do that it's hard but it is going to be so strong for your relationship because your child will know that my parent is willing to do what it takes mm -hmm. to help me it's not my parents just prying because they want information but my parent really really cares about me and that's a long-term investment that you'll have in your relationship with your child I love that. I love that because, you know, a lot of parents, they want to be the one to help. And of course, we want to be the one to help. It's our child, of course. But sometimes we're not always the best person to help. And admitting that, you know, that it's it's hard. It's hard to admit that to yourself. But, you know, if you admit that to yourself and you're able to have your child speak to somebody else, you know, it doesn't it could be a therapist, like you said, or a, a rabbi or a member of the community or just, you know, a family member or a friend, something, somebody like that who can really, really get them the help that they need or talk to them and have that conversation with them to help them through whatever it is that they're going through. Even if it's not you, if if your child sees that you're willing to step back and let it not be you and let it be the appropriate person, whoever he needs. That's amazing. That's 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 really special That because it says a lot about the parent and it says about not only does it say a lot about the parent, but it says a lot about the way that the parent feels about the child. And it's not about the parent. It's not about ego. It's about why, why can't you come and talk to me? It's about what can I do to help you? Whatever you need in whatever way, even if it has nothing to do with me, how can I help you? And that's really, really important. Yeah, yeah. And, and the child will hear your love in, in, in that stepping back. I love that. Yes, yes. I, I That totally resonates with me. Thank you. Thank you. Um. So along those lines also, um, somebody asked, how can you tell the difference between an introvert, introverted teen, you know, somebody who just prefers being alone and doing things by themselves, and a teen who is actually emotionally depressed? Because it can sometimes look the same. Right. So again, that that I think it's a very good question, and it's 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 um it shows that the parents obviously like um um really wants to to get the the best. So I would say I'd say a few things. Number one is is the child generally happy, right? Because if, if a child is introverted and they're gener gener genu generally happy within themselves, then then they have a different type of, of, of composure, 
right? Is it, you know, are they, or they're not happy, right? Also, another sort of question to ask is, is were they always like this, right? Did they always, or was, you know, if, if you had a child that kind of like enjoyed going out to social things and then they're all of a sudden like, no, I don't want to, I'm just happy on my own. Like, it, it's about sensing like, is, is this, are they genuinely happy or are they just right now going through something more? And the other question that, I, the other thing that I would say is that if you're concerned, reach out for help, right? Discuss it with a, with, with, with a professional, someone who knows more, whether it's someone who knows your child or just someone who, you know, a mental health professional who, who can sort of help you work through it. Um, I think the good thing about the, the world that we're raising our children in is that there's a lot more awareness, right, of the different struggles that our children have. And there's a lot more resources that we can tap into. And as parents, we it's it's it really is a strength when a parent reaches out to professional and ask for help. It shows how much they care because it's so much easier to just bury your head in the sand and say, ah, my kid just likes being introverted or, you know what, I, I but to, to turn around and say, I don't know, I'm gonna reach out to someone else for help and to find out it's it's a strength and we have to view that as a strength and, 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 and a sign of our love. So if you have a question, you're not sure, reach out to a professional and get and get advice. Thank you. Thank you, that is, that's, that's the best way because sometimes we, as parents, we can't see things clearly. You know, we're so we're so emotionally involved, we can't see it. So that's yeah. yes, asking an outside person just to see if they can evaluate the situation and give us an objective opinion is so smart. Um, so somebody asked a question. It's along the lines of it, um, but I want to I want to pose it anyway, just in case maybe you have something to add to it. Um, so many teens have mental diagnosis, like actual mental diagnosis, like ADD and actual clinical anxiety, clinical de depression. So the question was, how can we tell when it's adolescence driving the behavior versus when the teen is behaving a certain way specifically due to a diagnosis? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I hear I hear the question. It's a very it's, it's an interesting question. I, and I would I would um, um, I was answering, in, you know, with a question back why why does it make a difference what's driving the behavior right. let, let's just say something take something like adhd right it's a diagnosis yes. um but at the end of the day it's it's what the diagnosis does is it gives the child hopefully and the the people in their life more of an understanding of how they work right yes. at the end of the day they still have to um i believe the research shows that the most effective way of of managing adhd symptoms is through um, a combination of medication and and therapy right like there, there is um, um you know that the, whatever it is that they have they still have to learn to to manage that whether that is through medication whether that is through you know uh, um, um, therapy or, or coaching or whatever it is right they still have to learn to manage it and I'm not sure how helpful it is to sort of you know ask like is it becoming from this is it coming from that I guess maybe a, a different question to ask is kind of is this is this something that is very age appropriate and is something that the kid is going to grow out of um, that I don't need to worry about right so that I think is a question you can kind of ask without having to know is it ADHD or is it teenage things because you know some 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 of it is is overlapping and, and the question is is it something that they have to be coached through is that something that they have to learn the life skills of how to deal with or is it something that is age appropriate and it's just going to pass on its own 
I love that. I love that answer. And it's true. It's true. Exactly. Because the behavior is the behavior. You know, yes, if the uh, child has a mental diagnosis, we can understand maybe it's coming from this, maybe it's coming from that. But at the end of the day, like you said, it is the behavior. And it's the behavior that that needs to be managed through all the techniques that we were talking about today, through building a relationship, through having conversations, through letting other people, you know, into your life. If, you know, if the child feel com- feels comfortable talking with another person, all the tips and techniques can even work in this situation as well. So I think that's really... Yeah. It's a yeah. great answer. Thank um, you. Yes. I just have t- two more, hopefully, um, that we can get in that came from Facebook. I you know, I just want to really want to answer all the, the questions because people, moms really do struggle and we have so many questions. So thank you. <laughs> um, so it, this is also along the lines of what we talked about earlier, but why do some teens tell you everything and others keep things to themselves? Right. So that that's a great question, and and I think it's 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 personality. You'll have you'll have um um I think anyone that has more than one child will often see this is that you'll have some kids, and I think this starts even really young. You know, you have some kids, and they come home at the end of the school day, and you ask them how the how the how the day was, and you'll get nothing, and you'll get some other kids, and they will tell you everything, right? Yes. From from who they sat next to what, and it's just some kids some kids do, and some kids um some kids talk a lot more. About about what they is do and I think that follows through teenage teenage years as well and, and again if it it that on its own the fact that a child isn't very talkative isn't isn't a problem right if, if, if the relationship is strong if you know more or less where your kid is up to in life and and you know your kid feels comfortable coming talk to you when they're things so if they're not telling you every single thing about what it is some of that is is personality and it's we just have to embrace the personality that we get. I love that. And that probably also answers the last question. Why do some teens not want to be hugged or touched? You know, sometimes you go to hug a teen and they're like, no. And other teens are just craving affection. That's probably also a personality thing too. It, it is it, it is a, a personality thing as well. And I, I would recommend also a very good book here, which is um, it's called The the Five Love Languages, yes. which is um, it's it's written. It, it was originally written as as a, a marriage book. Right. That that. And but it's the principles apply apply to parenting as well. It could be that there is actually a, an addition written for parenting. But the basic premise is that different people, you know, receive love in different ways right for some people it's physical touch for some people it's time for some people it's it's gifts right for some people it's words of affirmation um, um and when we kind of learn what our child's love language is then we can give them the love that in their in, in the way that they can hear it so for example if you if you have a, a teenager or a child who doesn't like to be touched and you keep on um, giving them love um in, by, by hugging and kissing them yep. then 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 it's you, they're not going to hear the message i love you so much but if and uh, let, let's say that their love language is is spending time together right they'll then if you sit down next to them even if you're not if you, even if you're just whatever reading books together whatever or doing anything that's how they're going to hear it so that's a really good resource to kind of look at as a, um, as a parent five love languages and then kind of just think about like what's the best way to communicate with my child in a way that they're going to hear my love? You're right. And I think there's actually a book, Love Languages for Teens, like that's specifically right. written for, for teens. Awesome advice. Thank you. Thank you so much, Robertson Gila, for joining us on America's Top Robertson's. It was really, truly a pleasure to have you with us. We learned so much today. And may all the learning that we did today be for Rafua Shalema for, for Bina Eti, Bad Sasha Elka, Hayasara, Bad Barbara, 
Amuna Brachel Bat Rachel and Ahuvia Oshri Etia Bat Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And if anyone would like to reach out a little bit more and or has any um, individual questions or whatever, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's it's Gila Ross. You can email me gilaross at gmail.com. I'm perfect. I'm writing this down and I'm going to include it in the um, in the podcast description below so people can reach you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure.